Welcome to the Sports Memory Podcast. We have uh, Derek, Marcus, Kurt, and Newman all on today. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it and, and talk a little bit of NFL, obviously our main focus here. And J.J. Watt now has a new home. What do you guys think about him picking the Cardinals of all places? Uh, I kind of like the mystique. Uh, I like that nobody even like had them on the radar. Um, nobody. It, nobody. Obviously, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But I, I kind of like it when, I, when you start looking at it. A, I have a huge heart on for the Cardinals. Uh, B, you know, there's another missing link from that defense that we all forgot about, right? Chandler Jones. Uh, th- th- it could be a really interesting team. I mean, the Cardinals had what? I think they had uh, like five or six losses like down to the wire within the last score. Um, it could just be enough of a piece to like, kind of help push them over the edge in what looks to be the uh, toughest division in the NFL next season. Yeah, well, yeah I mean – it's it's two guys, JJ Watt and and Chandler Jones, who have led the NFL in sacks since 2012. Uh, I think Chandler Jones is kind of under the radar as far as uh, how good of a pass rusher he is. I don't think a lot of people even, you know, it could be a West Coast thing, it could be an Arizona thing, but there's probably a lot of people who don't even have him come to mind when they think top pass rushers. So I mean, if they can both stay healthy, it should be formidable. So I think with with this team, I mean, you look at them and you're like, well. Kyler Murray got hurt towards the end of last season. They lost a couple of really close games. If he was more mobile, you know, maybe they win a few of those or pull out one. And uh, that would have been the difference. If they won one more game, they would have been in the playoffs. So, I mean, obviously they have expanded playoffs seven teams, but I don't see that going anywhere. So this is a team that's right on the cusp, but um, it'll be interesting. And I do think that's going to be a really tough division next year. Um, But in terms of their defense right now, that they did get rid of Patrick Peterson. So they um, there's talk of them bringing him back, but uh, that could be a huge loss. Obviously a good front four, you know, helps out the secondary though, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, I yeah, think I the only thing about it I don't like is they gave him 99. It's a retired number and I, it should be somewhat sacred, I guess. Uh, not many numbers are retired, uh, but they pulled it out for him. It's, I saw the guy's daughter uh, was like supportive of it. So the the person whose number is retired, she came out and said, "Hey, my dad would have wanted JJ to wear his number. Like he'd be proud to have JJ wear his number." Um, so she's on board. I think if the family's on board, that's cool. But if it was the organization's, like, "Hey, we're just going to do this," yeah, that's that's another situation. Because that, that that's before our time, so like we just don't care, right? So, so so one thing about unretiring numbers like that is, to some degree, it allows the player who is being retired to be rehonored because they sure. have to talk about. They have to talk about that player. I'll go ahead and finish uh, his thought there before this connection got bad. And I, I mean, I think it's it's definitely it's definitely a point. Uh, I remember when Michigan was doing they had that whole period of, of a few years where they're trying to honor old Michigan players and they were trying to you know bring back the kind of the glory days and the nostalgia of that. And they uh, dusted off. I think I think Denard Ward number ninety eight or whatever for uh, <laughs> for Harmon. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're who's a Heisman running back back in the day. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be torn on it. Uh, it's exciting though. Um, like I said, my, I think my favorite thing, other than it being the Cardinals, it's just really got to be nobody had a clue. And it's something's got it. It's fun to have something interesting, kind of throw you off the, uh, you know, off, off your track. But something that I obviously knew um, all along was this. Uh, you know, Ben, we we, we knew there's gonna be a restructure. Um, sure. and it's a huge number. Uh, it's the only thing that made sense, and I'm happy that they got it done. 
um, just because like I, I, I you know, beat it like a dead horse, but um, uh, I always hated how it went down with Troy. So it's, it's nice to see him be able to retire as a Steeler um, and free up that cap because that's that, that's where they're clearly struggling and it should help them going forward. I, I don't mind him with his performance. I think his 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 cap hit now matches his performance. He's a middle of the road quarterback still. Um, you know, do you trust him in the clutch? Absolutely. I, I th- he still has that gene to him, um, and he's a leader. But as far as actual, he, he he threw for a lot of yards on the volume of a lot of throws. Yeah. So I, I think that the cap hit kind of aligns to where what he's actually producing. So it's good. Uh, but it doesn't solve the Steelers' problems. They're still in a really bad cap spot. Well, yeah, naturally, but obviously it just helps. Uh, they're sure. talking, they're talking like, an, uh, well, $15 million is what it opened up. Oh, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's opening it's somewhere between uh, at least 15 to $18, 19000000 million is what it's coming Great. down to because all the details aren't fully released yet, but it's, yeah. it's huge. But we knew that was coming all along. Um. And then uh, I think the only other quarterback information is really dealing with uh, Newman's Jets and uh, Russell Wilson, who's more more in the media in the last couple of weeks than I think like is an entire career. Yeah, I mean, like the Seahawks come out today and apparently are fielding calls on Russ. They're not actively shopping him, but they are listening to calls. Jets said that, you know, they are listening to calls for Sam Darnold. Uh, they're not sure if they're going to move him yet. But I think, the, especially on the Jets end, if they're listening to calls, that tells you all they're really all you really need to know about what they think about Sam Darnold um, and his future with the Jets. Uh, the Russ thing is kind of like a. Do you think it's like pushed back from the organization, being like, "Oh yeah, you want to go somewhere? Okay, we'll listen to people uh, come come get you or something." Well, you, well, you have to. You can't just get bullied. Uh, you can't get bullied into you know paying more money. Like these guys. They want the maximum contract, and it's it's not like basketball. Like the more money you get, there's less money going around. So it's just you can't pay the like ten elite players and expect to feel like a really good team. Um, you know, pay like top top of the line contracts at least. Um, sure. I mean, it's not just that though. The quarterbacks are wanting to be the general managers. They're wanting to have all the money that they they're trying to get back. Everything. I mean. Well, welcome to 2021, where everyone gets a say in, in, in something, and if, if you don't like your way, you th- bitch about it, and people try to accommodate you so you don't stop crying. Uh, that's just uh, just the, the world we're living in. But there's, there's got to be a little bit of give and take on both sides, um, which is something that we, we saw over in Houston just recently. Uh, David Johnson's been kind of ba- bouncing around. Um, I know he just restructured, which obviously he has to, because I know they gave him a pretty solid contract. And that's, that's oh, man, that, that's just going to be a team that could be so bad for the next three or four years, uh, even even with Deshaun, John, uh, Deshaun Watson at the helm, uh, if, if he stays. Um, uh, how do you guys like the uh, the move there with David Johnson? Do you think it was smart on his end? Do you think that he's still worth more money? Obviously, there's some skill there. Um, I know, Derek, you have a – a little soft spot towards him because he smoked dress in fantasy. But uh, I, I like when seeing him before this year, the way he ended up in in Arizona, I thought he was done. Uh, he had a few runs where he just like everybody exaggerates and is like, "Oh, I could do that." Like you know, he, <laughs> he had a couple runs where I was like, "He's not moving fast at yeah. all." Um, he got some of that explosiveness back. Still wasn't anything special in Houston. That that backfield is a nightmare. But as an insurance, you know, four million dollars for a vet, you know, up to six million if he performs to be a kind of a veteran presence, 
you have to think they have to they're going to take somebody pretty early in the draft. Uh, so, you know, second or third round. So from his end, you know, having been cut and stuff and being in Houston, if you were to just go, you know, on your merry way, do you think you're getting a lot more going anywhere else? That's the thing. Yeah, I don't think so. No, nobody's getting a lot more right now. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know we talked about it in uh, one of our previous pods, but it's it's unfortunately going to be like a lot of uh, prove-it deals for a lot of people and and not necessarily for their talent just because the cap's lacking. Uh, yeah. There's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of big names are moving. Um, and actually one signing I like um, was Tyrell Williams. Uh, man, he banged up, uh, you know, had some issues in Oakland. But he's he's a very good complimentary piece. I know I know the Lions are going to be missing a lot of receivers. They don't really kind of have a clear picture of what they're doing. Uh, a lot of guys can be free agents. Um, I think they're going to tag Galladay or sign him. But you know that's that's another guy who I think is uh, slightly uh, uh, slightly overrated. But uh, Tyrell Tyrell Williams uh, healthy, very athletic, big body, which is uh, which is obviously a good receiver to have. He's a, he's a burner too. He can move, so he can stretch the defense a little bit. I think he's pretty been he's been pretty productive when he has the opportunity. Obviously, last year he was hurt, um, but if you look at the year before in Oakland, he he was pretty productive all season. Uh, and then he was pretty pro- productive when he was playing for the Chargers, be that in San Diego or LA. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a few other moves throughout the course of the league. Obviously, the big one I think that is maybe the most interesting is uh, the Dolphins are planning on releasing uh, Kyle Van Noy, who they just signed to a four for 51 um, uh, contract, uh, four year for 51, $51 million contract last year. And uh, then they're cutting him already one year into the deal. Like I I can't, I can't believe a team's doing that. Yeah. I mean, um, the, the team just signed that contract. They just, you know, four years, what's changed in one year. Why do they want out of that contract all of a sudden? Yeah, they should, I mean, they should honor the commitment they made. They they should, and I and honestly, they're gonna they're gonna spend a lot of money. They still have to pay him like ten million dollars um, over the next couple of years, and that's just that's the way it works. But and I, I know you're digging at me because it's one of your favorite <laughs> things to do. But the, these players that are bitching out after they sign their deals, they it's don't a business, have to pay. Man. It. Yeah, I, it's, it's everybody a gets the, everybody gets to use the mechanisms and leverage in the CBA. I don't I don't care when teams do that like, i don't care when teams cut guys when it makes sense i don't care when teams make people restructure when it makes sense i don't care when players hold out that's i mean I, in my opinion that's how the game's played at this point so everyone yeah. knows the rules you you know you can you can act accordingly um but i in, in my opinion that's uh that's that's just the way it, it's gonna roll like um they the way that the way that the dolphins are playing he must have just not been good um, well, he, he really wasn't that good in New England. Uh, like, you know, he was playing the fantastic defense. He, he's a talented player, but he's he's a player who's really um, a fill. Uh, but he's he's in, the, he's in the three, four, maybe five million dollar range. Very versatile. Uh, can give you a lot of snaps. But when you're talking about pre- paying premium dollars for somebody, um, and the and the release isn't fully out there yet, they're they're still uh, looking into options and trading them, and. Honestly, what could be very good for them? Uh, good, great scenario. Move them, even if even if you get some low picks. But with with the Dolphins can have the uh, uh, the, the leverage to do here is if they're so, uh, sold on Tua being there, which I, I'm I'm a believer in giving guys a little bit of time at that position. But uh, man, they could they could still move back, as, snag a few more picks. 
take Micah Parsons in the, you know, what, what, what's Atlanta at seven? Is that what they're picking? It's Atlanta around there. Yeah, Something shit, like shit. If they, they swap picks with Atlanta, snag another first, and grab like Micah Parsons. Miami, Miami's still a very uh, young and very talented team, and they have my favorite head coach in the NFL. So um, it, it's, it's a lot of potential for them. So uh, you, I mean, have to, the same- you have to perform, earn that contract, because the reason you can cut them, it's you know, is one of our uh, favorite, one of my favorite scenes from uh, uh, Mr. Deeds. You know, he's like, "Well, I, I played good. I thought I could get paid more." So, well. If, if you played worse, can we pay you less? Shit, no. Yep. Punch him right no, in the it, dick. But 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 that's <laughs> that, that's 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 what I think a lot of the incentives are, man. And it just hurts the cap. Everyone's just tight. It's pressured right now. But um, but yeah, I, I think if you can't play it, you know, if you not not fulfilling it, man, you just shouldn't get the money. It's just yeah. I mean, so obviously they brought him in because he's familiar with the scheme. So I mean, for him to not play well, that's kind of on him. Uh, as he's aging and stuff, but I mean, Derek knows he's a New England fan. He he told me previously, he's just not that, good. Yeah, that I mean, even in New England, he was questionable. He just he's a guy. The way that they, the way that they use a, a player like that in that scheme is what makes the players valuable sometimes. So there's uh, a thing, I, especially on defense in New England, where, where players be, that play well or fit into a specific role in the system get overhyped. Patrick Chung's trash. Like yeah. Patrick Chung is is four years past his prime. And the like the NFL national NFL media thinks like him sitting out this year was a big hit for us. He's like seventh on my list of people I'm, I'm upset sat out. <laughs> well, yeah, you know it's it's kind of like when uh, Matt Castle came in and played over over New England, then he gets you know premium quarterback dollars. Oh shit, he's really not that good. Um, you know, he had a good fun. year in Kansas City. <laughs> he did. He did have one good year in Kansas City. That is <laughs> true. <than> Alex Smith. <laughs> Um, how about a guy that New England maybe should go after in a uh, Golden Tate, who's the newly released Giant? What do you think about him going into uh, going to a place like New England, or uh, where else could he be valuable throughout the league? Oh, I'm so pumped! But I'll, I'll let Derek I, I, go. I have I have two thoughts. One, if Joe Judge and the Giants don't think you're good, do you belong <laughs> in the NFL? Well, uh, <laughs> do, do they not think he's good, or they just character. think that it's, it's too character. much money? I mean, it's a way to free up some cap space if they want to do some. That's, other I mean, that's probably more what it is. And, we, and he's a and he's a player at a position where they have lots of guys. New England like. needs anybody wide receiver, so if he would come play for cheap, if he you know sits around for a long time, and you know we we, we think that the way this offseason is going to work is there's going to be a big wave early in the cap early in the offseason free agency period and then it's going to kind of die down and be slow and then i think there's gonna be a lot of vets who are just taking really inexpensive deals just to stay in the league um if we can get in that situation with golden tate take them new england i like i don't mind that at all yeah i think um i thought i had a steal with him like in the 10th 11th round of fantasy man but what a letdown i think like 23 catches this season um now the, the talent there is good route runner good hands uh but there's one place i think he fits perfect that i'd love to see him and uh that, that's over in la with the rams uh, i think he'd fit right in the locker room um wouldn't have any issues and i think um him and Jalen would get along very very well uh so we, we've seen that going pretty well over the last three or four years yeah <laughs> no issues in the locker room at all yeah um for for any of you who aren't familiar Jalen ramsey and uh, golden tate have some some dated history uh so it, that would that would be quite fun. I don't think Golden Tate would last very long. Uh, also, that that probably wouldn't be a, a signing that they'd fit because he he does not fit on that field in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it was good seeing Jalen Ramsey whoop his ass, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, 
So let's jump to another uh, former New England receiver here, and uh, Josh Gordon is playing, playing, signed up to play the in the fan control league. Have you guys watched any of this with Johnny Manziel in it? They're going to be on the same team. No, no, but I'm, I, I'm. It does have my interest because I would. Uh, it depends on what options you have as a fan. Because if I could like pre-snap have Johnny Manziel like do a shot and Josh Gordon like hit OJ and play, you know, run the play, definitely down. Uh, even if I got to pay ten bucks to watch it, worth it. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll not hang along hang along on that too long. Um, let's get to something actually important in here. Um, the seventeen game schedule is basically approved. It's almost pretty much a done deal. What are you guys' thoughts on that? And it, it ha- how it's going to impact the league? It definitely has to be. Um, I'm I'm anxious to see how they're going to like rotate the home and away for seventeen and how that's going to go. Because obviously, with sixteen games being you know for however many years now they've had a set schedule, uh, I'm sure it's an easier fix. But uh, that's why I'm not getting paid to do that shit. Uh, but they had to. They mm-hmm. had to do it to offset it because without that 17th game, that uh, I think, what, 185 this year, it was going to be closer to like 170, which puts everyone in even more world of shit. So there's really no uh, there's no options there. You had to do it. Uh, and obviously they'll they'll break that up by having less preseason games. Um, and it's funny, even something might seem small to have one more regular season game and less of a preseason. But that could that could really impact the NFL and players, the development, you know, so on and so forth. How many preseason games should we have? Um, I, it's tough. Three. I I, I think you. I think yeah. it's, it's two or I, three. I, yeah. Well, I think they're going down. I to lean two more games. towards two. Yeah. Another game. Uh, I don't. But it, the thing about the preseason is that. If we shorten it too much, then that affects all of the younger guys who are trying to make the league, right? Or veterans right. who are trying to hang on for those spots. That they really get to show out the game is really the you know the tune-up game where the starters play a little bit longer. The first game is almost the biggest waste, though, right? Like it's not, the starters play if they play a series, you know. And then there's the guys that just completely sit out, like the veteran running backs and stuff like that. Don't play any preseason at all. That's why, yeah. like three, I think we get rid of some of the waste. But then again, you're still giving guys an opportunity to make the team. Um, and and I, I wouldn't mind them going three, but maybe carrying extended rosters for a longer period of time. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly what all they're going to have to do in order to fit that into the proposal. What what the give back from the owners is for the extra games, but. Um, it, I mean, it, it's here, and I don't think it's going anywhere. Once we get a 17th game, it's that, that's going to be it. Yeah, no, they'll I, never I, give that back. Yeah, I think I think this year it's solely to offset that cap, just to keep guys with having jobs. Um, it, you know, and obviously it's just going to help the cap. So that just puts more money in the players' pockets down the line. Uh, you know, once they bounce back, so uh, yeah. might take might take two years, but ultimately everyone will be everyone's going to be happy. We get one more game uh, to bet on and drink during. And uh, talk a little fantasy smack. Guys make a little more money. Owners make extra, a little more extra money. Extra week in the fantasy football season. At, at another extra week. And yeah. uh, who knows? Maybe uh, Super Bowl is going to start being in March here one day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully we don't get quite to that point. But um, <clears throat> outside of the 17th game schedule, there's another proposal. Um, actually, the Bills are the ones who are making this proposal to delay the hiring process. Did you guys see this one? So here's the interesting thing to me. The Bills were the team who was like, no, we're not going to let our offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, who is a really hot coaching candidate, go actually do any interviews while we're still in the playoffs. Yeah. 
Makes sense. I, I honestly, I like this because I think it puts the Bills in a situation where either they're stunting the growth of somebody who has growth opportunity, uh, they're keeping Dable stuck because they won't let them interview, or they're distracting from their team. I don't think teams should have to make that decision. I think I don't think you should get to uh, hire coaches and start your offseason early just because your team's shit. Like, yeah. I, I think everybody should be on the same kind of schedule where maybe the the first Monday after the Super Bowl starts the offseason hiring process. Yeah, and uh, th- this was all getting talked about and flirted around during the like, conference championship time. Um, you know, and Bruce Arians was saying, he's like, you know, uh, when, when he uh, led the Steelers to the Super Bowl, he's like, I didn't even get a phone call. Um, and, and obviously mm-hmm. this is all stemming um, uh, from head coaching opportunities, uh, guys not being able to get interviewed. Um, you know, the enemy was, was, was the biggest name that had, had lacked. Lack, lack, lack. Byron well, Leftwich. These well, are yeah. these are both guys that not that they did not that the Bucks would have denied them the opportunity to interview, but their bests were later on in the postseason if you really look at it. So, well, well yeah, but like I said, the enemy is the real big name because he's been on like the, the, yeah, the radar Dable. for the last yeah. few years. Um, and you know, and going further in, Dable got get you know gets in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Bami kind of gets the short stick. Uh, I don't think Bowles is quite there. Um, I think he needs to put an, another year because he just he struggled as a head coach. He's a fantastic coordinator. Um, Did he struggle as a head coach? I mean, he won ten games with the Jets one year. They were they were pretty good. And then after that season, the team basically made the decision to kind of rebuild with him as the head coach. So and, yeah, but you're but it's all about how your records is. Uh, and I think he's, he's he was in Arizona too. Um, um, before that, which they, they struggled there as well. Um, it's just his track isn't good. Fantastic coordinator. He'll get another opportunity. Uh, just won't be for another year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm up in the air on Leftwich, man. Uh, he hasn't really proven enough for me to be a head coach. Love the guy. Love everything about him. But one fair year with uh, Brady out there is um, it's, 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 a, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. He needs, he needs a little little bit more uh, continuity. Um, yeah, but, it's fair. Um, All right. Well, let's uh, let's touch on a couple other things here. Um, we can jump into some hockey uh, for you guys. So, <clears throat> did you see uh, Vegas? Uh, the, the Vegas Knights ended a partnership that was like all of three days old with um, like a pick, like a pick selling company. I mean, I, we're big gambling people here, so we do. We you know we put out our own picks throughout the course of the season and the, and the weeks. Um, each week, you can check us out later on in the week uh, doing that live from our Facebook or any other feeds. Um, what do you think about that? Like, was it kind of, it, to me, it's weird that you like agree to this. And then two or three days later, you're like, nah, we're, we're out. Especially as Vegas. Um, yeah. Like you are the prime spot for gambling. Um, I, it really doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what they're scared of or, you know, what something, something came across their desk and was like, this is a bad reason idea for this. I don't know if it was the company, but something came along, and uh, you know, maybe just the, not the right partner for for that opportunity. Yeah, I always think it's it's kind of weird in leagues that don't actively like promote, like you can't bet in certain circumstances, and and they make it really difficult to to place wagers, especially in some states to have like those part kind of partnerships. I always thought thought like, that was a weird sponsor, just kind of like the the risky relationship uh between gambling and you know sports historically with some of the scandals and you know points shedding and all that and fixing and all that stuff 
Uh, I just think I always think it's a weird partnership, but if anyone's going to have it, it has to be the Vegas Knights. And and like you said, it makes no sense to backpedal like a day or two after. So yeah. I really don't know about that one. Um, but sticking on hockey, um, what, about, what about the OV cheap shot? <laughs> I, I loved it, man. Uh, all you're really going to see is the uh, stick to the dick. Uh, but that guy was pestering him all game, man. He, and, he uh, asked for that the entire game. Yes, he and, did. And, and Ovi, Ovi gives him the business. Yeah, it's a bullshit move. It's a cheap shot. It's cowardly. Like, you should never spear a man in the dick. But at the same time, like, I mean, I'm willing to give a Vesk a pass. Yeah. We, and I, you, I, can, I, you can counterbalance I, that against his, like, 630 goals. And we'll be like, yeah, it happens. I, I think the best part was earlier the uh, guy had a – questionable check on Ovi where he went into the boards yep. and he like turned around. Ovi just touched his back. Kid throws down his gloves. He's like, we're going to fight. No, he's just like laughing at him. He's like, no, but you're going to, he just wanted to glove wash him. For uh, sure. But uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. I, I, I was like watching him. I'm like by myself on the couch. I'm like, holy shit. Did I just see this? I was like, I had to rewind it. And uh, you know, the, uh, you know, got the announcers like, well, Ovi shot the puck and hit the pipes earlier. And well, he hit the pipes again. <laughs> 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 So, are there any uh, any teams that are surprising you guys? I mean, Tampa is kind of as advertised. They're they're you know just doing their thing. Uh, nobody plays defense in Canada. They're, yeah, the scoring's out of control. I mean, well, what do you think of Toronto though? Like, obviously, you don't think that they're that good because of their record because they don't of play the division defense. that they're in. Yeah, but what what can they make a run? Like, I don't, is this I a don't team that think you so. think? Good. What if they put together some pieces? If they make a trade at the deadline, right? They, to acquire some. They, they've got but, they've got the pieces, but it's like when you're looking at it, man. That division's so bad. I know we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite goalies here shortly, but um, um, they're just so bad. They're they're fast. Uh, it, even when you know a couple years ago, great team, but always found found a way to just like choke. And the talent's there, but. It's it's hard to see them make a push. Um, it's defense, man. You, you get the playoffs and you get less space. Guys get to you know clutch and grab more. The refs try to disappear, not be a factor. I just don't think that they're well suited for playoff hockey. And I think it's the same. It's similar to like what the Lightning were a couple of years ago. You know, a lot of speed guys, a lot of talent. They could run with anybody, but they didn't have that, those gritty guys. They didn't have you know the depth on defense. And now you know you add a couple of great guys, like Gaudreau, a, a Coleman. You sure up the back end a little bit. I, I just Toronto's defense is is fucking terrible. Yeah, but but yeah. what if what if Toronto understands that part of the reason that they're being so successful is the division they're in? They have an opportunity because they're winning that division so heavily to maybe take and acquire some of those pieces and really make a push this year because they're like, we're going to be in the playoffs. We'll have a chance if we can get to the playoffs. Well, you know, we only need top, the right pieces. Top, but top four D-men don't grow in trees. Yeah. They, like, teams, I mean, are, they're, they're extremely expensive. Anything at the deadline is extremely expensive. I don't think that they – I don't think they, they think they're one defenseman away either. So they're going to have to acquire like a top a top four, two pairing. Um, I just don't think they're in a position – to roll the dice there because is it's there not, anybody that could fit that bill that might be out there? Is there a team that's kind yeah, of, yeah, I mean, Nashville is fucking terrible. I, I, they might be able to move like Ryan Ellis or Roman Yossi. I don't think Yossi will move uh, just because I, he's a little bit younger, but Ryan Ellis is getting up there in age. I, I think he would help, <clears> but again, I don't think Ellis alone is enough. I, I think they need to go out and get two guys. Uh, yeah. And the problem with that is the really good defensemen are on playoff teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's tight. Obviously, anyone when they get there, they have a shot. Um, and 
it's it's hard to not think at this point that someone from the East is going to take it. Uh, and man, that the Caps Boston game last night was probably the best hockey game I've watched. So mm-hmm. fast paced, it was just intense. Um, but I think what I'm kind of there's two things that really surprised me. Um, and one, just as a whole, a lot of these mid lower tier teams that are playing better a lot in Central. Uh, teams like Chicago playing better than I thought they were. Um, but it has to be uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. What a season the guy's putting together. He's 1.7, I think, is his goals against. Uh, but he's just playing lights out. And obviously, uh, everyone had their thoughts that he was done. But, man, he's he's just been remarkable all season. Well, well so sticking on Fleury for a second there, how is Toronto's goalkeeping situation? And would a guy like Lerner, would that be something that they could go get to improve that? They don't need a goalie. Um, they're, they're They're good there. Yeah, I don't think. Again, I, I think the, the defense is is like their only real problem. Does, does Lerner get moved? Mm, maybe goalies don't really move a ton either. Well, I, I, I guess uh, technically they'd only be allowed to trade within Canada. The Canada teams, right? If you can't go across the borders, no, they just the, the player would just have to go through a quarantine period yeah. um, in order to in order to do that. So. Uh, but they I, would still I, be able to play, but you'd have to sit out for whatever it is. But if you if, if you look at Toronto's road, like they they would have to get through Boston, who would they're nowhere they're not in the same league as Boston, they're not in the same league as Tampa, they're not in the same league as Washington. Um, they can you know light the world on fire, scoring in a bad division, but it's just the, what's the road there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you look at Andre Vasilevsky, people are starting to be like, hey, so I know we've only had four goalies win the heart before, um, but we might need to keep eye, keep an eye on that. Because right now his goals against average is one point six five. Yeah, I mean, I- I'm actually surprised. And Tampa's going to few... score more than one and a half goals a lot. Yeah. I- I'm actually <laughs> surprised at how few goalies have actually won. You know, the the MVP award within the National Hockey League. Um, you've got Dominic Hasek who's won it twice, uh, but outside of there's there's so few of them. Right? It's almost like um, there's really no comparison to it. But I guess to some degree, how few pitchers win the MEP award in baseball, except for pitchers have a way less of an impact than goalies do, right? Because goalies spend every minute of a game with it on the on the ice. Whereas the pitchers are only out there doing half of the things in, in baseball and they only pitch every five days or so, you know? I think it's it's hard, especially for goalies, because they represent one key cog in a larger machine. I mean Defense and keeping the puck out of the net is, is very much a function of, of all six guys working together. And, you know, good teams that hold it on the other end, their goalies face less shots. Yeah. So I, I think it's hard to, it's, it's really hard to isolate goalies and be like, this is how good they actually perform this year. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where the problem lies with, with goalies. And I think it's similar to pitchers. I mean, when you're so specialized, sometimes it's hard to put what a pitcher does up against what, a center fielder does because their contributions are so different. Yeah, sure. Um, but here's one factor that you may want to, I mean, just going back to that, the more we've ad- advanced analytics, especially in hockey, um, doesn't that allow you to isolate that a little bit more? What actually the goalie's able to do? Um, you can, you know, determine some shot metrics based on shots, temp faces, quality of the shots that are taken against them and, and how they're saving those. Um, so I think that, you know, it becomes a little bit more clear as you get there. We think that Vassie's one of the best, if not the best goalies in the league, right? So, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's hard. It's, a lot of people try to discount it because he also has a Norse defenseman in front of him 
who well, I two mean, guys that are quality for it. Yeah, in but, and but I, I legitimately think like watching Hedman this year, I think he's playing the best he's ever played in his life. Uh, he looks which, good doing it too, which is outrageous considering how good he's been in the past. But I mean, he, he just he skates so incredibly well. There's such a, a an efficiency of effort, and he covers the entire ice and plays a, a, a style of hockey. The way he gets a stick involved, like he, he just he kind of like slalom skis like side to side and covers the entire middle eighty percent of the ice. Yeah, truthfully, he actually reminds me of just like a bigger Latang from six seven years ago, like in right. his prime, and, and yeah. even better. And, and he put, he put was, Latang in a six six body. Yeah, and, and Latang was fantastic, but uh, yeah, Head, Headman's. Oof. The thing about Hedman that really stands out to me is how much his offensive game has taken a jump forward this year, um, tailing off of what his playoff run was. Um, I, I think that it's really taken uh, some strides. You see he's more confident on offense, and he's putting more shots on on net uh, earlier in the season, whereas normally he's you know he's capping out at whatever, 16 goals or something in a year. Well, they used to ba- have him babysit you know, the worst defenseman a lot. They would just say, hey, our, our sixth best defenseman, we're going we're gonna, to you know, anchor him to the headman because headman can pretty much play by himself. So if he does 80% of the work and this guy just has to do 20% of the work, now that's an effective pair. Yeah. Uh, they're starting to let him play with better players and take some of that responsibility on the defensive end off, and he's getting to really play both ends of the ice. Yeah, the um, actually I have a quick question for you guys, uh, which I know is going to be our next topic. So I was talking to my uncle, and um, so Matt Murray, um, I've done pretty well betting against him this season. But my question is, can you can anyone like remember like the last time someone had like such a far fall from grace? Like it wasn't, but a couple years ago, first rookie to win two cups, like in his rookie season. You know the way that that worked out. Great goalie. Uh, they were confident to keep him over Flurry. Like. Uh, you know, t- top tier goalie, and then it's just like a week later, he just forgot how to play, and he's just been just progressively worse and worse all in the last like three years. Um, he finally got his goals goals against like under three eight, uh, and the guy's just terrible this year. And you know, it's it's a mental thing, but just players' sports, other than like being thirty eight, you know, being old and having to retire or injuries, just anyone who just completely fell off the grid as far as. Like where they were, where where they were at skill wise. I mean, Carson Wentz. Does that count? He kind of fell off the map of what he was doing in his MVP caliber season to what he was putting up the next few years. It's not quite the same fall for grace, and it's not as extended. Um, but I, I think that we see some of this a little bit. Um, it is quite unusual, though. Um, typically, with a goalie, it doesn't happen till later in their yeah. years. Um, but I, I think we've seen some guys where they've had a hard time and and kind of fallen a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. It's it was it's just been kind of uh kind of mind blowing to me. So I just wanted to see if you guys had any uh uh takes with that. But um uh, yeah, let's let's dive into uh a little college football action here. Um I'm I'm still a big fan of what they're doing with the F- FCS right now for giving us some spring ball. Um you know, I know I know we got some uh what what's his face is uh team Trey Lance's team struggling already this season. Yeah, uh, North Dakota State losing their first loss in, what is it, 39 or something in a row that they had won. Um, that shows his importance to the team, I suppose. Well, also, um, I don't think they're – they have a left tackle, too, I think, who is getting some uh, some talk about not being able to be pushed back. I don't know if he's playing either. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, but that's still, they're just a machine, North Dakota State. Like, if you've yeah. been paying attention to them over the course of the years, they've won, I don't know, like five of the last like seven like championships at that level or something like that. They're just a powerhouse. They recruit at a different level because guys are actually want to go there and win. Um, Carson, to go to North Wentz, Dakota, though. Car- Carson Wentz is actually, you know, uh, an alum of, of, of North Dakota State. And then uh, Josh Allen's coach, uh, at Wyoming was previously at North Dakota state. Um, he was one of those guys that won a few of those national championships when they were there. So it's, it's, it's just a program that has kind of the, a Boise state, but of the D two world kind of effect, um, in, in the way that they, they win and recruit on a different level up there. But it, it's kind of shocking to see them lose. I guess that, that the Trey Lance does have an impact on that. Um, but did, did, did you watch that game? I did not, but I saw that they lost to a team that's n- not great in Southern Illinois. No, they just lost to uh, uh, Youngstown State. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, so, I... so, yeah well, it's funny because uh, the North Dakota State receiver caught this ball, right? And uh, he's making some moves, going down the sidelines. And uh, it, was a, it was just like the, uh, I think it was Jets-Dolphins a while back. He's going out of <laughs> bounds, and the coach is sitting there on the sideline. Thunder just drops his shoulder into the kid, runs his ass over. Uh, he just didn't make an attempt to move. It lowered his shoulder, just demolished the kid, and the guy just got banned. Um, uh, I don't know if he was like a coach or a trainer, or something, something along those lines. But uh, it's pretty funny to pretty pretty funny to see. Um, um, it is funny. It is that guy has no business being on a football field again. If that's he won't how be. you're gonna. Yeah, I mean, the, the we talk about safety a lot in terms of the NFL and, and college football and, and how these players and stuff like that. Uh, a hit like that on the sideline is is well beyond any kind of measure of safety that they're trying to have, and that they can't allow something like that. So, and uh, that's probably not even the weirdest thing that's going on in uh, in college football lately, huh? N- no, I mean, one really really strange story to me is uh, Eric Gilbert, who's like one of the highest rated tight ends in the history of, co- of high school football recruiting um, and into the, at to the college level, like uh, announced that he was going to leave LSU. Right. So he played is he, is at he, LSU. He a freshman? He's a freshman. He okay. played at LSU um, for a portion of this season and then decided he was going to leave um, because he was homesick. And then, so he winds up and settles on, makes a determination. He decides he's going to go to university of Florida who people love that. He was actually, they did, uh, 247 Sports did a rankings of all the transfer players, and he was the number one transfer player on their board just because they felt the way replacing Kyle Pitts with a guy like that. It, it yeah, obviously say, is, shows is it that, a comparable skill set, or is it like a uh, different type of tight end? He's a little bit bigger, I think, but but he's definitely sp- supposed to be kind of like that explosive um, guy. So then all of a sudden it comes out this week that he's no longer going to attend Florida. So I don't know. It's it's to me, it's just pretty weird that a guy's, you know, less than a, a year into his uh, college career, he's already transferred twice and he's as highly recruited as or rated as he was as a recruit. It's, it's, it's kind of got the feel of uh, <laughs> Doriel uh, Beckham green or green Beckham, uh, high recruit receiver went to like Oklahoma transferred weird shit happened. Missouri transferred, became a tight end place for the Cardinals. Um, is yeah. he with the Cardinals still? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I know he was with the Titans at one point in time. I think originally coming out, but I think it's yeah, he, drafted, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, he, well, he, I mean, yeah he's he, playing tight end now. He, yeah, I think his his transferring and stuff like that was was different. It wasn't that he chose to transfer. I think he got kicked off the team at Missouri, 
and that's why he wound up at Oklahoma. Yeah, he was but, like a um, missing person, and then yeah. uh, it, it, was, it was just ridiculous, and he was a highly touted recruit, like one of the top ten overall. Physical uh, physical freak, but yeah, not – um, nutcase. Yeah, so uh, maybe we have another one of those in Eric, Eric Gilbert. Hopefully not. I hope everything gets worked out and he finds a good place to play. Um, and I'm kind of glad that it's not going to be the University of Florida. So See, see the uh, – <laughs> the um, I, truthfully, the biggest story in college football for me right now is that I, I texted you as soon as the news came out, and um, and this is obviously good for uh, Derek's family's uh, old Big Blue. Uh, Alan, Alan Bowman uh, transferred there. Texas Tech quarterback light, lit it up. Um, you know, they had some, you know, quarterback stuff going on over there, but is, is this something that can maybe help like Har- Harbaugh's uh, struggles over there? Like a quarterback who could sling it and play, you know, older guy. Um, and yeah, the guy who maybe has developed already to some degree, yeah, uh, so yeah. he doesn't have to worry about, you know, the, the infancy development. It, it seems like he really struggled to get a quarterback from high school to being a caliber uh, good enough to start. Uh, you know, they already lost a quarterback in the transfer market earlier this year. Um, so Alan Bowman, McCaffrey, right? actually, I guess they lost two, right? Didn't, um, uh, who Joe, Joe Milton too, right? Said he was going to leave. So McCaffrey and Milton both decided to leave. So uh, Alan Bowman coming in there is a guy that may get to play. Uh, Derek, have you been following any of the Michigan quarterback or recruiting and stuff like that? No, you're mostly checked out on them. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really follow them. Go Army, beat Navy. That's it all day. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that was just the biggest thing I, I I've paid attention to or seen or heard as far as college goes. Um, how, how about um, how about the other big college football story of the day? The OU football players just getting absolutely walloped in the bathroom by these little MMA oh, wrestlers. Shit. I saw that. <laughs> I saw. I saw something click up. Um, he had to get surgery. Like he almost First of all, wasn't it, it was a punter, right? So barely uh, a football I, I believe one of them was a wide receiver and one of them yeah. was a was a uh, the holder or punter yeah, or place kicker or something. Well, the wide receiver team. is like a starter. Okay. So that's yeah. okay. That's yeah, he got his so, shit beat so, in. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we posted the video on, on a couple of our accounts. So go if you want to watch it. Essentially what happens is the video, when the video starts, this kid's already got a bloody nose. Like this little red. Um, and that and that, all we see is the football player like talking down to him and like then all of a sudden he smacks him and you see the kid like talking to his buddies like are we really gonna do this right now and he's just like yeah it's on and then he slaps him and then the kid just pop 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 three shots boom tackles wrestles him starts putting him in a rear naked choke then his buddy starts to go in there to break it up and the other kid just like tackles him and smashes his face into the wall it was uh, and apparently they're brothers. I don't know. It was it was hilarious in my opinion. Um, don't mess. I can't with remember. The there's I can't remember who did the stand up, but there was a comedian who was doing the stand up. Like, yo, I don't mess with anybody anymore because you don't know. You know, people walking around knowing MMA and shit. Like, I'm not messing with anybody. Yeah, there's that, and then there's also. So here's the thing: little guys like that, like. It, 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 don't ever mess with somebody with cauliflower ear. That's another thing. Like, don't ever do that. Um, <laughs> And and this kid had longer hair, so it was covering it, so you couldn't necessarily see if he had any copies. I couldn't tell. But uh, some of those little guys, they are used to getting picked on their whole lives. They've been yeah. little most of their lives. They're used to getting picked on. Stony. They know how to fight. They know how to fight. So if you're some, 
you know, stud wide receiver, you probably aren't you getting into small, a lot of Small fights. adults have always been small. Breaking news. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, you know, a, a lot of people know how to fight till they get punched in the face. And uh, true. Uh, allegedly it doesn't feel good, but you have to f- figure out how to bounce back from it. But I heard, I've heard rumors that <laughs> if you are going to get into a bar fight, bathrooms in, in the alley are the best spots. But bathrooms are fun. Get in, get out, don't go to jail. But that's just a story I've heard. Oh yeah, uh, do you have any experience of that? I, I, I plead the <laughs> fifth. We'll, we'll, we'll have to save those. If you want to hear some of those stories, you'll have to f- come find us at a tailgate or, or after a party hours, that we're throwing, so that yeah, that you can uh, that you can get into those stories a few few drinks deep. Yeah, um, I can tell you about some hammer punches and some people used to uh, throw <laughs> back in the day. And uh, I, I remember a story with Cali. baseball bats. Oh, but yeah. um, let's uh, let's touch on some of the some of the UFC stuff here. Uh, just real quick, because we do have some big UFC fights. Uh, so uh, Blackowicz is fighting Adesanya. Um, Adesanya is moving up in weight class. The interesting thing about this that I saw is Adesanya said he in- he does not intend to like bulk up a lot before the fight. He expects to go in weighing two- 193 pounds. The weight limit for the class is 205. And Blackowicz is probably going to be something like I don't know, two twelve or something. By the time they actually like conduct is that, the fight, is that common? Like, I know guys in in like the lower weights, like you know, welterweight and like th- those lower weights, they move around and go up a lot. But I don't feel like I hear that happen as much in the heavyweight. Well, yeah, I, I I think he's I think it's actually light heavyweight for this. Um, yeah, 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 light heavy. But still, I, I just don't feel like you don't see it as often at that weight. Like usually, you know, like like it's a guy like McGregor who like put on six pounds. It's not, yeah. you know, a guy moving up, you know, 20 pounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a lot. And he's basically going to, going to be giving up 24 pounds during the fight, but it's wild. Uh, I mean, one or one or two punches from this, uh, black away. This guy is, is basically can knock you. Uh, I think he's broken some guy's jaw before in the, in the boxing or in the, the octagon rather. Um, and Adesanya is moving up from like a middleweight. So like, <clears throat> is he a champ already? Adesanya, he has been a champ uh, at the middleweight le- yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, I get I get the appeal of wanting to to you know win in multiple weights, mm-hmm. um, especially if you can do it at the same time. But I don't understand. Like, again, why why are you giving up that much weight to a guy? It's like yeah. it's not like we're talking you know lower weights here. Yeah, and and we're, in, in the MMA, like ten pounds is a big difference when you talk about trained fighters. It's it doesn't make sure. like too big of a difference in like a bar fight, a street fight, people that are just drunk and aren't trained to do this shit. Mm-hmm. But you're, when you're talking like these are people who, don't, who have like almost no fat on them, so ten yeah, pounds of yeah. muscle <laughs> is a lot of force. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so here's so here's the thing um, with Adesanya, he he's just a guy. He, have you ever met a fighter? Who is not confident that they're going to win, no matter how much anything well, else is going on? Not. These guys all have huge, monstrous egos. Sure, sure. So, I mean, he thinks that he's going to be able to win the fight. That's obviously he wouldn't be taking it if it not. These, are, not the these case. are just people that need better friends. <laughs> like you just, you, you just need better friends to be like, "Hey, bud, uh, I know you said you want to do this, but maybe it's not the best idea. <clears throat> and if you're going to do it, I don't know. Maybe you know, put on some weight." Yeah. Um, a couple of other fights that we got going on. Uh, uh, Amanda Nunez is fighting, so th- on the same card, so that'll be pretty interesting. Um, she's she's just terminates people. She's she's ridiculous as a, a female she, fighter. She, she needs to start fighting men. <laughs> and then there's going to be a, a, a bantamweight fight. The little guys. Um, sometimes those little weight fights are really I, good. 
phantom weight. I hate anybody like it's especially at least in the MMA. It's okay. Uh, Cause you get those guys and they're still throwing each other around and they're, you know, submissions and there's other things on the table, but like, featherweight boxing is the worst thing ever invented. <laughs> yes. It's like two yeah. guys well, yeah, slapping each other with gloves and they, they literally neither one is strong enough to knock the other one out. Like barely, yeah. barely, barely bruised. Like, right. It's, it's the worst, but, but at least in MMA, like you, you can still choke a dude out. Yeah, but Jan, Jan and Sterling, this should be a pretty good fight. These guys are going to bring a lot of energy. It may wind up being the best fight out of all of them. How sure. often do you see it where the undercard is the better fight? Um, so, I mean, look for those this weekend. Anytime we'll Mayweather some- fights. We'll we'll have some we'll have some updates. Um, I mean, or any Tyson fights, right? Those are over right. and around. Uh, right. We'll have some yes. updates on that for you this weekend with some picks for you, um, and then <clears throat> we're also gonna you know have our usual college basketball picks. So uh, I'm glad that we have the the smaller conference tournaments are going on right now. We got the big the big conference tournaments are coming up next week, and we've just had a couple crazy weeks in college basketball. We had um, last week alone, 18 of the top 25 teams took a loss. <laughs> that's kind of crazy in my opinion a lot of them are playing each other so um and then just this week so it's not that a, crazy n- no but it i mean well, i think it's true i'm not i'm not positive and again but the college basketball is not necessarily my you know my, my main better you know, go-to but i think if two top 25 teams play each other one of them has to lose that that is true but i mean so not all of those there was probably maybe 10 of those were um were were, were actually matchups between um sure but there was there were several teams that lost to unranked teams throughout the course of that. Um, but we've seen some 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 crazy in season uh, already this week. Um, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State played Saturday, and then they turned around and played Monday, which is very unusual for college basketball. You don't see something like that except for a pandemic year where they're yeah. trying to fit games in. It's um, such a weird season. Like Duke's trash, yeah. UNC's trash, Kansas yeah. trash, Kentucky's trash. Um, and ba- Baylor's going to win it all. <laughs> ba- Baylor and Gonzaga were the two best teams. Baylor took a loss this weekend to uh, yeah. Kansas, who's who's good, who's actually getting a little bit better. Um, but Kansas already had lost during the week, and then they go and they get they get Baylor at home, and and they they beat them by quite a lot. But then Baylor wins uh, earlier this week to actually win their conference for the first time in seventy one years. So I mean, college basketball season is getting ready. Are you guys going to fill out brackets? Uh, this is gonna. It's gonna I love, be. A I love lot free of brackets. I usually do one because I get bored at the end. But uh, here's my bold prediction: um, the Michigan's gonna win it all. Um, and I think Howard's part of the Fab Five originally, right? He sure is. But Michigan yeah. just got housed by Illinois at yeah. home. I, yeah, I know. But so let me finish. What I was gonna say. Uh, so <laughs> so after Michigan wins it all, you know he's gonna call out uh, Harbaugh, say it's your turn. They're gonna come out, win their first game, and they're gonna end up with like a three and nine season and then Harbaugh's going to get fired and you guys are welcome. <laughs> are you rooting for that or, or is this? No, just... <laughs> no, I, I like him there because it's just one less team to compete against in the big 10. Yeah. I mean, in fact, Harbaugh's trash. Yeah. <laughs> no way to um, on that one. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and then the NBA all-star game is coming up. Are you guys surprised at how well James Harden is actually playing for the Nets? I think he looks really good. He's taken on more of a facilitator role. He's, he's almost averaging triple doubles, like in half at certain points this season. It, no, that's when he that's when he was his best when he was in Oklahoma City. Uh, he, yeah. He's a really good player when he's the, I guess he's unfortunately not the sixth man anymore, but when, you know, when you're with two superstars, it's hard to, you know, get, get everyone. Yeah. And then I mean, 
I can relate. I, I know, like, when I was in high school, you know, some, some guys play offense and defense. When you only play one side of the ball, you get to be really good at that one side of the yeah. ball. So, I mean, when you don't even – does he even go to the, his end of the floor for defense or does he just stay down by the, the free throw line? No, he – um, I mean, the, the metrics on what Brooklyn's been doing in terms of defensively is kind of – like, their offense has rated out as one of the best offenses of all time. And then their defense has rated it out as one of the worst defenses of all time sure. during like the same stretch. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty accurate for James Harden's career. So, I mean, nowadays sometimes guys just. It seems like in the NBA there are not a lot of teams that are really trying to lock down and play defense. A few of the teams that are, like Philly, has played really good defense. Ben Simmons has been really good. Uh, Joel Embiid has been amazing, and Philly's leading the East there with Brooklyn. And then, do, you, do you think um, it's because they're all friends and they're all buddies and they all want to like hang out and, and you know everybody's cares more about their brand? Like nobody wants to go play defense and get hurt and and you know miss opportunities to score and like they're like yeah you can score on me because I'm gonna go score on you and we're all gonna make a bunch of money. <laughs> Tr- truthfully, when the when the Nets don't even finish top three in the East, I'm gonna I'm gonna just for the all four people that like to listen to me, I'm gonna talk so much shit about James Harden. Uh, I mean, <laughs> he's I the he's the problem. I don't care if he can shoot; he's the problem. I think they definitely uh, finish in the top four. There's talk of them actually being the team that that comes out of the East. So we'll see. Um, but out West, it's kind of been a little bit surprising. Uh, the Jazz have played really well. The, uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are, are have been studs. And then the Chris Paul trade, speaking of a guy that will hit somebody in the nuts, uh, Chris Paul is leading the Phoenix Suns to, to like, uh, they've taken a dramatic leap with him. Um, I think his leadership and playoff experience has really helped them out a lot. Yeah, just gonna so, not get hurt. Um, there'll be there'll be a lot more uh, basketball to talk about throughout the course of the rest of the you know. Coming it was the, up here. It was the Suns that beat the Timberwolves, right? It made them when? like the worst franchise in the history of sports. Uh, I didn't catch that. I think the Suns, yeah, so historically, yeah. So the, the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, lost. <laughs> I think it was to Phoenix. So that was the game that did it, and they now have the worst winning percentage of any professional sport, major four sport. Uh, they they took that title from the Bucks. From the Bucks. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. At least the Bucks are no longer holding on to that one. Yeah. And, uh, so thanks, Timberwolves. The Brady effect, yeah. really. Yep. yep. <laughs> we're we're happy about that here in Tampa Bay, as you know, we've got a lot more to celebrate with you know two championships, uh, World Series appearance, and now acquiring two more teams from Canada. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. So any I other uh, dinner, any NBA news? Me. Anything else you got? Nothing. No, I think I think we've covered uh, you know uh, the world of sports in general. Yeah. So check back with us next week. Like and share. Uh, promote to your friends, and we'll we'll have some good content coming up uh, with all the madness. Let's do it. We're out. Tiger.